This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Probably most of you as listeners didn't know, but today is Celebrity Day. Um, so we have in our midst uh, Josh Bales, who That's is right. back with us in the studio. I will be signing autographs after the, we record today if you want to come by the studio. Yep. So just come on down and you can catch Josh and you can do all the autograph signing. Now, Ryan is away, so what you're going to be in for throughout the summer is a treat. So. Many of us are going to be cycling in and out as far as vacations and obligations and whatever it might be. And so we are going to have um, people filling in for us. And Josh has graciously agreed to fill in for us this week. And so thank you, Josh. It's good to have you back. Glad to be back. Any updates that you want to give us as far as you've kind of been taking a, a break from us for lots of reasons, but yeah. one of them is... <laughs> we uh, won't mention the other ones. Yes. <laughs> The one we can mention on the air is about your the school that the well is is working yeah. on. Any updates on that? Man, it's been um, kind of disappointing. Actually, we might have to press pause this year because uh, I, you know there's been a couple Christian schools here in town that have greatly expanded their boundaries, which I'm super thankful for because we definitely need more Christian education. So we just have trouble getting some traction this year. So we'll see. We'll okay. see what happens. Okay, yeah. I did not know this. Yeah. So there, there was the update that was yeah. not what I thought was coming. <laughs> the big letdown. The big letdown. There we go. That is how you start a radio show. That's right. Right yeah. there. Well, it can only go uphill from here. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, we are looking at a topic that uh, maybe at first blush is, is, is a little bit depressing. I don't know. Um, but we are not approaching it in not that way. Not more depressing than Josh not having a school. No. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to look at the at the topic of sin and and the, that is depressing and overcoming sin and it, 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 we don't mean it in a depressing way. Really, what it is is that the Bible is is very real about the fact that Jesus Christ overcame sin. Amen. However, he, though he overcame the power of sin, he didn't at this point in time eliminate the presence of sin. Mm-hmm. And so we as believers are going to continually have to deal with sin in our life, sin in the lives of the, our loved ones. And so we can pretend that it's not true. We can try to ignore it, um, but ignoring it is not going to cause the problem to go away. And so I think what the Bible really gives us is this uh, direct um, approach and says, okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is the continued presence of indwelling sin. And the good news is there was coming a day when not only the power of sin has been overcome, 
but the presence of sin will be removed. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that's really the great hope of, of every child of God, that there's coming a day in which this battle will be done. However, on this side of eternity, we endure, and we fight that battle. And hopefully over the next several shows, we're going to equip you with tools to help with that process of how to overcome indwelling sin. I think that uh, that one of the things that's true of Christians, and there's four words that you can attach to what you are as a believer. These are all true. You are a sinner, but you are at the same time a saint. You've been separated out and chosen by God. You're a sinner, a saint, a servant, and a son. And if we forget our adoption, we forget through that adoption we have the power to overcome sin. I want to just pause real quickly and just mention a couple books that I think are good resources um, mm-hmm. on this topic. I think the classic book on by J.C. Ryle on holiness is a wonderful book to have in your collection. Kevin DeYoung wrote one called A Hole in Our Holiness. Beaky with Michael Barrett wrote one called A, a Radical Comprehensive Call to Holiness. David Paulison has one called How Does Sanctification Work? And then... Two that are are really what I have found the most helpful for me personally is John Owen. The new edition is Overcoming Sin and Temptation, and it's a crossway title. Don't worry, we'll have it at the conference for you to to purchase. But it's really three of his books updated and edited. The content is Owen. It's just formatted in a way that is extremely accessible. And then Chris Lungard took Owen's words and thoughts and put them in a book called The Enemy Within. And this is a book that I read. I it's would, one of my favorite books, it Chris really Lund- is. Lungard's book. I think I read it probably 20 years ago. I don't know when it came yeah. out, but it was transformative for me. It's 1998, so that's probably about right. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also have those at the conference, but all of those are helpful just framing how to approach this idea of growing in holiness, overcoming sin, defeating sin in our lives. And so today we are going to actually begin with the negative to set up where we're going to go in, in the days ahead. So really sin wants to deceive. So the question is, how does sin work to deceive and entrap people? And really what we're going to do is work through James 1, 14 and 15. Does somebody want to read that? Yeah, sure. James 1, 14 and 15 from the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So really from this passage, what we want to talk through is how does sin work? What are the different ways in which a child of God is, is tempted? So I, one observation in, the, in verse 14, each person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed by his own desire. I think setting our expectations right at the very beginning is really important. Our sin is always working to deceive us. One of the truths of, of uh, the Christian life is that our sinful nature is never being sanctified. Our spirit is being sanctified. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have to be on guard as we, as we grow and mature and are being more and more conformed to the image of Christ. The mature Christian has just as much deceit in his sinful nature than he did as a young Christian. And that's really important to see because I think a lot of Christians can get discouraged by those thoughts, by those enticements, by those lures, thinking, I thought I was getting better. Well, you are getting better. Your spirit is being sanctified, but the sinful nature is always present. 
it's never going away and until the veil is lifted. And Josh is touching in on, on a couple of things there, that the whole lured and enticed language is really dealing with both our mind and our affections. And so there are times when in our mind temptations come, and, and one of the, the ways that it works is trying to get us to think that the sin is actually not as sinful as what it is, Yeah, that we, we, we dress up the sin. And so then we're lured into thinking, oh, it's not that bad. It, it's okay. It, it's, you know, yes, it, it's not quite right, but there's a lot worse things. So it's that whole game that we can play in our mind um, when temptations come. And the way that you narrated that is, is like there's this self-talk that's going on. You know, people have used the language of schizophrenia. Now, uh, setting aside the, the mental disorder, there's a spiritual schizophrenia that sinners have. There's that internal uh, dialogue that's always going on, and that internal dialogue is the sinful nature. That's why Lloyd-Jones was always, you know, famous for talking about preaching to yourself, telling yourself, proclaiming to yourself the, the, the truth. And so just being aware of that internal dialogue is, is a massive way to, to start fighting against the sin. I mean, in verse 14, when it says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, if you're not aware of the internal dialogue, if you're just going with the flow, if you're not fighting against it, then what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, and that's where verse 15 goes on to say that then desire, when it was it's conceived, gives birth. I mean, and so really what happens is temptation works on the mind, it works on the affections, and then if you don't have appropriate self-talk that that guards against the temptation that's coming then it becomes a matter of the will yeah that that we then act on those wrong thoughts and those wrong affections and it becomes a decision of the will to then pursue that temptation I think that process, Paul, Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, every proud thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. This is that self-argument Josh is talking about. And then the antidote is to take every thought captive to obedience of Christ, right? To counter the argument with the truth of Scripture, to defeat the lie with the great truth of Christ. That's, that's what Paul, Paul's consistent because he's basically saying the same thing in Romans in another way, in Romans chapter 7. And he actually talks about his own... Uh, desires, he says, he finds a law within him. And this is Romans seven twenty one. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is the taking the thought captive. It's you know the one that's going to do it through Him is is Jesus Christ. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. I don't want to go too far down this path because I I don't know how helpful it is. But this is why it's so important that a correct interpretation of Romans seven comes into play. So there are some people that would look at Romans 7 and say, this is Paul pre-Christian. Right. 
And n- no, this this is Paul as a this as a child apostle. of God. This is the yes. Apostle Paul, yeah. the greatest preacher in the in the New Testament, and he's struggling with sin. Yeah, and he's really talking about what Josh was talking about earlier that there. In his inner man, there is this delight in the law. That's yeah. the new nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in his flesh is still the sin nature. And this is the apostle. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we don't um, kind of interpret this away by saying, no, this is Paul as, as an unbeliever. And I think what happens is we give away an understanding of that huge conflict that's within mm-hmm. between the new man and the old man. And I think Paul is so, I mean, the Holy Spirit is so gracious to give us Romans 7. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we would always live um, depressed, defeated lives. I would, for sure. He gives us Romans 7, then he wonderfully gives us Roman 8. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So in in verse uh, 15, it says, then desire... When it has conceived, gives birth to death. I think in gives it, birth to sin. Sorry, yes, yep. gives birth to sin. Thank you. Um, in Matthew four, when Jesus is being tempted by uh, the devil, so there's temptations being thrown at Jesus, but Jesus never surrenders to the temptation. So in that instance, sin is not conceived. Mm-hmm. So in, if we're talking about the progression of sin, here James is saying, okay, the temptation itself um, is not sin. But when you surrender to it, that's what gives – when you give surrender to that desire, that's what gives birth to sin. And giving birth to sin manifests itself in all different aspects of your life, whether it's things that we do, things that we say, things that we think. That's the manifestation of the process that happens unseen, right? We're enticed. We're lured. It, you know, it's birthed inside, and then all of a sudden we act on it. Yeah. And that's the sin that we are concerned about which we will continue to talk about tomorrow, and we'll see you then.